0: Buckle up for another episode with Coach Kathy and another wonderful guest. Today in my episode, I am speaking with the wonderful Linda Rogley. She is the creator of the ADHD Palooza series, a professional certified coach, award-winning author, and founder of the AD Diva Network for ADHD women, 40 and better. She is recognized as an expert in midlife and senior ADHD. The online Palooza series now includes ADHD women, ADHD parents, and ADHD couples. Linda's book, Confessions of an AD Diva Midlife in the Nonlinear Lane, won first prize for women's issues in the prestigious Next Generation Indie Book Awards competition. She regularly hosts workshops, organizing groups, and retreats for ADHD women at addiva.net. Today, in this conversation, we are going to be talking about ADHD and hormones. So buckle up as we talk about hormones, PMS, PMDD, menopause, pregnancy and hormones, and so much more, and all around how these fluctuation of hormones affect ADHD. This episode has been brought to you by the Great ADHD Reset Program, a nine-week program dedicated to professionals with ADHD who are ready to escape the overwhelm, channel your ADHD strengths, and revamp your career from the inside out. This program helps those ambitious ADHDers who are overextended, exhausted, unmotivated, and feeling out of balance Learn compassionate and sustainable solutions to break the vicious cycle of burnout. To find out more about the program registration, please visit greatadhdreset.com. And now to our show. Welcome to Proudly ADHD at work, and in business. I'm your host, Coach Kathy Rashidian, and I help professionals like you understand the science behind your unique brain so you can unlock that inner genius. Ready to transform your ADHD into your best asset? Keep listening. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today, I am getting a little bit personal. We're going into... Women and ADHD, but women and ADHD and hormones, this topic needs to be talked about, like I think on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. It just needs to be talked about all the freaking time. So who better than my colleague, Linda Rogley, to come and talk about this because she has masterfully put together all this science and all this research that she's done over the years. And when I saw her talk at the ADHD International Conference and and her resources, I was impressed on how she's put together all the different pieces of the science that it goes into our hormones and then how it affects ADHD. And I wanted her to tell us this, this story of women and ADHD and hormones. For the men that are listening... Please listen to this episode all the way through because if you have a woman in your life, chances are they are going through even if they're not a they don't have ADHD, the hormones are, are a thing with women and with men too. So please listen in, listen up because there's a few things you're gonna learn about us women on a scientific hormonal level that could benefit your relationship. And also, if if you're saying to yourself, well, Kathy, usually you talk about ADHD in the workplace, well, dang it, this is related, because let me tell you, the number of times that I used to call in sick on a monthly basis, on a monthly basis, because of my PMS, was you know, countless, and also the way it affected me in my work, and memory issues, and sometimes I was too excited, sometimes I was depressed. Anyways, I'm rambling a bit here, but there's a point to this, and and it's it's an important point. And welcome, Linda, to the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much for letting me be here today. I'm honored to to be invited to speak to you and to your audience. Thanks. Absolutely,
0: with pleasure. All right, Linda. Let's let's get into it. Let's go. I feel like 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 I'm all serious about this topic, you guys. You don't understand. This is like This has been on my mind for so many years. And then when I got the diagnosis of ADHD, on top of this, and then I recently got diagnosis of PMDD on top of ADHD. We'll talk about that. It just it, it's a thing we need to talk about. So let's talk about estrogen. Why do we need to know about? estrogen?
1: Well, that's a big opening question now, isn't it? I could go all kinds of directions there. So estrogen is an enormous topic. Both men and women have estrogen circulating through their bodies. Men, it's not so prominent. Certainly, testosterone certainly is more prominent for men, at least until they get older when testosterone decreases and estrogen becomes a little bit more aware, especially men who have had, just so you know, have had prostate issues. That's one of the things that they do is they suppress testosterone, which allows estrogen to come up which means men tend to be a little less aggressive than they used to be. And that's not to insult insult men at all. It's just one of those textbook facts. So the three kinds of estrogen that are circulating in women's body, they're called very uncreatively, E1, E2, E3. And now there's supposed to be an E4, but we're going to leave that because it's still a little controversial out there. E1 is called estrone. And you don't really use much estrone until you reach menopause. And then the other two estrogens kind of recede and estrone becomes the dominant, dominant hormone in your body unless you're doing hormone therapy. And hormone therapy is with E2, that's estradiol. And estradiol is kind of the big heavy hitter in women's lives. It is it it comes like a crazy train coming in at puberty. And then every time we have our periods, it, it's that roller coaster up and down and up and down as we have our periods. And then they, they come back and then we start again and we start again. And then at menopause, estradiol really begins to decline. So the, So we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But If you are having estrogen therapy, it's always estradiol at this point. Again, that fourth estrogen has got some possibility, but we're not going there yet. The third one, E3, is estriol. And you really don't have estriol going on in your body until you're pregnant. So you can understand how estrogens, and I'm going to use that as plural, come in and out of our bodies, depending on where we are in the stage of life and what's going on with the rest of our bodies. So that's just the basics about estrogen. And I, I'm dying to say more, but I'm going to let you ask me a question if you want to. No,
0: it's, it's great, 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 great. Because one thing I want to make sure, folks, please stick around to the end all the way throughout this episode. We will throw some scientific terminology at you. You don't need to memorize it. But it's good to have this background information, just so you understand what your body is doing. And I think for me, whenever I I scientifically get the facts and the data, then mm-hmm. I have I feel more empowered to be able to manage things and know what things are when things are happening and why. You talk about fan dance analogy. Yeah, you have this fan dance analogy and PMDD. Yeah. Can you because yeah. it kind of gives you the like the different phases and what's happening? Can you go into that a little bit more, Linda? Absolutely. Well,
1: let me let me back up and clarify just a little bit more about. We're going to specifically talk about estradiol right now. Mm-hmm. Remember, I said it surges at puberty. So at puberty, it's not just a straight line. Okay, I'm I'm becoming a woman, and therefore my estrogen is going up here, and then it's going to start my periods. That's not what happens. It surges, then it d- backs up a little bit, then it surges a little higher, and it backs up a little bit which means that because estrogen has a lot of impact on mood, and I'm not talking about ADHD mood, I'm talking about every woman mm-hmm. and every girl who's who's going through this, lots of moodiness going on when we have est- estradiol surging and receding and surging and receding. And then when you get to be about 20 or so, then it, you kind of settle into a regular pattern. Your estrogen's probably reached its maximum, and then you're going to go into that regular pattern. So if you have if you have teen daughters, if you have somebody in your family, or if you are in your late teens or early twenties, you may still be having some of those surges that make your mood a little unstable. And then when we get to the monthly surge, which I call the fan dance, it, it, it estrogen will get really, really high right before your period starts mm-hmm. because at ovulation, estrogen says, ooh, a baby and estrogen surges. And then not very long after that, a few days after that, progesterone surges. And then right before your period starts, right before bleeding starts, everything goes crashing to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. happens with that is for for every woman it's like oh my gosh the sky is falling so that's where you get things like pms right right before your period starts you you have this premenstrual syndrome so sometimes it has physical effects sometimes it's like cramping sometimes it's emotional sometimes it's just kind of feeling flat just feeling like nothing's ever going to work out then during your period a few days after your bleeding starts Your estrogen starts rebuilding. So does your progesterone. And we're going to talk about the difference between those two hormones in just a minute because we didn't touch on progesterone yet. But as they begin to build, a few days into your period, you begin to feel like, oh, I'm back. It's me. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, and then that'll happen for another 10 days or so, because during those 10 days until ovulation, it, estrogen's building, 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 ovulation happens, it builds even a little higher, and then we start it all over again. So that's what I'm talking about, This sand dance. It, it peaks out, estrogen peaks out, and then it goes away, and then it peaks out again, and it goes away, and it peaks out, and it goes away. And you can imagine how crazy making this is for mm-hmm. our brains, mm-hmm. because- And we haven't said this yet, but let's just make clear the connection between estrogen and your brain. Estrogen, there is as much estrogen in your brain as there are in your sexual organs, if you will. And plays a really important part in connecting neurotransmitters and trapping them and helping them work, especially for ADHD folks, dopamine. Mm-hmm. And dopamine is the is that feel good kind of I'm a wild and crazy guy or gal kind of kind of thing but it's what we need. And actually rather than having a deficit of attention, most folks with ADHD have a def- deficit of dopamine. Yes. And when you take ADHD medication, it stimulates dopamine release so that you get more dopamine so that your brain works a little bit better. Well, the same thing happens with estrogen. When your estrogen's in full force, you're feeling pretty good. And your ADHD symptoms might not completely be under control when you have lots of estrogen on board. But certainly when it's gone every month and then it's especially at menopause, you it's like, where did it all go? I have no idea. So... PMS can happen right before your period starts. It affects your brain. <clears throat> Excuse me. It affects your ADHD. And then it builds back up again. So the fan dance is flirting with you. The estrogen saying, I'm here. And then I'm gone. And then I'm here until we get to menopause. Mm. And at menopause, what happens is that estrogen does the same kind of crazy erratic up and down thing that it did at puberty. But instead, it instead of building and getting higher and higher, it swings really high and then it comes down, and it swings high and it comes lower, and then it swings high and then it swings lower and lower and lower and lower, to the point that at menopause, your estrogen levels are only a fraction of what they were when you were 30. And that's the highest point in your estrogen life as a woman, is when you're in your 30s. At 40, it begins to decline. 50 certainly at menopause, and it continues to decline all the way up until your 90s, for heaven's sake. Now, that's, of course, if you don't have estrogen therapy, which is a completely, we'll talk about estrogen therapy in a minute, but know that the fan dance continues throughout our lives. It starts with that puberty up and down stuff, and then it continues monthly as we're doing our reproductive years. And then at menopause, it fan dances right off the stage. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned PMS, and you also mentioned PMDD. PMDD is a more severe aspect of PMS. Pretty much we know what, you know, premenstrual syndrome, we know what that is. PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It is a much more serious issue and it affects ADHD women far more often than it affects other women far more often. So it's not just being irritable. There are many, many other symptoms. I mean, literally there are 50 symptoms symptoms of PMDD. And you may be willing to talk about your own experience with that if you want to, but certainly cramps and all that kind of good stuff that certainly that can happen. But the emotional piece of this, the things that really affect ADHD are traumatic to use your word and they're in they affect everything so you bet it affects work you bet it affects relationships you bet it affects affects parenting it touches everything because let's face it you don't just slap on a happy face and say i think i'm just going to pretend like my estrogen's here no we just (laughs) just cannot do that so so that's kind of a broad overview but do you want to fill in some blanks about how that happened for you or would you rather keep that private
0: Yeah, no, I I actually do want to talk about it because I feel like this year, 2022, has been a year of let's unpack Kathy even some more. (laughs) And in previous episode, I had talked about trauma therapy that I've gone through this year, which has been fabulous, highly recommended. Check out that episode. And I talk about the, the type of therapy that I went through. In addition to that, the the doctor that I was seeing was, I was lucky enough, it was like a double whammy. She was also like, you know what, there's this PMDD thing that you got going on. The reason the PMDD was so evident in me is because I was taking a log of what was going on with me on a monthly basis. By the time I had met this doctor earlier this year, in the log, I, I gave her all the pieces. Like I, She was like, wow, it's like as if you came and diagnosed yourself. And now here's the label that goes with that. So what I had noticed was, so I'm a coach. I've been trained up the wazoo with all things ADHD. I've been using my tools. I have my own coaches. I have therapists. But 10 days before my period, every month, I called it the dark phase. For 10 days, I would go into, and my comorbidity, my cousin with my ADHD is depression. So I don't get anxious. I get depressed. And it would shut me right down. And to a point that I didn't want to do my business, I wouldn't take new clients. I would just be like, you know, in the movie Inside Out, Out, there's these little little neurons and they all have characters. I was the one with the cloud. So for 10 days, (laughs) I would walk around with the cloud. I was sadness. And there's nothing that I could do. All the self-talk, all the stuff that we know as coaches, all the tools—nothing would freaking work. So imagine every month, ten days. This is my cycle, and it was driving me nuts. My ADHD meds didn't work. Anything else, like you know, th- th- take tea, do this, do that. None of that. Meditation, exercise doesn't work. So when I gave her the, the my symptoms, she said, "This is PMDD at, at its best." So, and we'll talk about at, towards the end on on, on wh- how do we help it? How do we manage it? And luckily, I, I have something that I take and we'll talk about treatment afterwards. But that was it. And for me, Linda, I would come in and feeling I was an imposter, feeling mm-hmm. that I should know better. So it almost like added more weight to my management because now that I know all this stuff, why can't I fix my ADHD? I want to talk about there was in one of your pieces of content, there was a sentence in there. I want to read this. It said, progesterone may contribute to sleepiness since it has a sedative effect. You may be calmer, but you can't stay awake to enjoy the calmness. This is me to a T. I would sleep for days and I couldn't open my eyes. Tell me about progesterone, please. Let's go into that.
1: Okay. Can we back up just a minute? Because I really, I know you want to save it to the end, but I really want to address this because I might forget it because let's face it, I have ADHD too. So I just, draw, I just draw it down. The fact that you said that your medication wasn't working, estrogen, estrogen is to blame for that as well. When estrogen goes down, it. let's face it, estrogens that helper all the rest of the time for those neurotransmitters, for dopamine in particular, when estrogen goes down, of course, you're not getting as much boost from your adhd medication so it's not at all surprising your meds weren't working and doctors do say that increasing your dose of adhd medication during a a period of low estrogen for adhd women does make a difference sometimes it's taking a different stimulant along with the one that you're taking if you're taking stimulants and the 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 other thing that um I, I love this because this has been anecdotal. It's not in the literature at this point, but several several clinicians, psychiatrists have said that what they found that works for folks, and you mentioned your depression and that's what my original diagnosis was as well, which is often true for women, taking a short course of an antidepressant like a, a Prozac or something like that, that is that does stimulate serotonin actually. And it's strange because a short course of it will get you through that little period of time when you're just kind of, as you say, you're kind of flat, you're just kind of blah, you you just can't get motivated to do anything. And it's not about ADHD motivation, it's about estrogen, not being there. And so and it's it's very unusual because when you take an SSRI, for instance, and there's SSRI's, there's SNRI's, there's a lot of different kinds of antidepressants out there. But basically, what they're doing is they are re, they are inhibiting the reuptake of too many neurotransmitters that are get, getting pushed across the little synapse. Because you know our nerve nerve endings don't touch each other; they have a little gap in there, which I think is a very silly thing to do. But nonetheless, <laughs> there must have been some kind of nat- natural reason for that. And what happens is that they send uh, the the same side of the neuron sends tons of neurotransmitters over, and the other side says, oh, yeah, I have some, I have some. And then the sending neuron says, oh, I sent too many, and it goes, and it sucks them back up. So what happens is sometimes it sucks back too many. Of those little neurons, so dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, all that stuff. And then we're left with a deficit. And the other side, which has been busy saying, oh, yeah, I have more. But I could take more now, but now you've sucked them all back up. So what inhibits that is the SSRI or the SNRI, etc. Kind of says, oh no, we're not going to have you uh, inhibit so many of them. We're going to have you suck so much of that neurotransmitter up so that the other side can feel nourished and feel, oh yeah, I've got plenty of to do my work, which is what's happening in our brain all the time. And I'm sorry if I got a little technical yeah. here. But the point, the point is that when we take an SSRI, supposedly it's supposed to take two weeks to take full effect. Two weeks. And I'm just saying that these clinicians are saying a course of maybe three to four to five days will help your ADHD once a month. It makes no sense clinically, it makes no sense pharmacologically, but it works. So apparently it works long enough. And it's not that you have to go on antidepressants forever. Many of us are on antidepressants forever, for heaven's sake, for various reasons. But this is a very concentrated period of time that may actually help. So those two things have really clinically been proven to work. Increasing your dose dose of your whatever medication you're taking for ADHD and or adding a side dose, if you will, a little t- you know, an appetizer of an antidepressant just during those times when you are feeling so miserable, and you just can hardly function. All right, now we're going to segue to progesterone. Yes. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to get that in there, because I was afraid I would lose my
0: train of thought, which happens, right? No, it, it's, it's great that you got it in there, because I'll bring it back up again, because that that's my treatment. So we'll talk. about Okay, cool, 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 cool. Great.
1: All right, so progesterone is a very different animal and hormone. And and interestingly enough, some some neurotransmitters are also hormones and vice versa. So we're just going to kind of leave that out there. But progesterone works with it works with estrogen and it as i mentioned in our cycle in our monthly cycle both of them are right after ovulation are saying ooh we need to get ready for a baby so they're both peaking and then estrogen peaks first and then progesterone peaks and as i mentioned they both fall flat but i will tell you dr patricia quinn who has been an expert in women's and girls' adhd for decades says that if adhd women want to have supplementation of hormones to kind of smooth out that transition. Low-dose birth, low birth control pills can do that. But some of those also have progesterone in them, are, you know a form of progesterone. But she said estrogen only is better for us. Why? Because progesterone makes us have a foggy brain instead of a brilliant, bright brain like we want our ADHD to have. So even though progesterone is kind of the bit player here, it, it's really important for ADHD women. So if you are noticing that to- right toward your period, you're getting really sleepy, as you mentioned, like I can't get out of bed. Yes, What's wrong yes. with me? I'm a slug in the bug, right? It's not you. It's just your hormones. And yet, even though I say it, it's not you, you have to deal with those hormones. And believe me, all of us are completely unique. We may have some commonalities in there. It's just like our ADHD. We Maybe a lot of us are late or maybe a lot of us have time dysfunction, but we all deal with it. And all we have that in different degrees. And it's the same way with hormones is that we all have different ways. uh, My periods, for instance, were completely irregular. So when people say, oh, well, I can tell every 28 days, every 28 days, I was like, I had no idea. Mm. I mean, and and which is great because I didn't track very well because I was ADHD (laughs) anyway. But trust me, it it certainly wasn't regular. And I want to mention, because we talked about the fan dance, and I'm going to go backwards just a bit, because we talked about the fan dance at puberty and the fan dance during our periods, and we talked about it at menopause. Many of us, that's all that happens. But those of us who have children who have been pregnant once or more than once, also have the fan dance at pregnancy. And that's a fan dance that happens, with, as I mentioned, estriol is, is what really goes crazy during pregnancy, but our estrogen levels during pregnancy are sky high, higher than they will ever be in your life, ever, ever, ever. And interestingly enough, your progesterone levels are even higher than your estrogen levels when you're pregnant. And they keep climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing till that third trimester. And then they begin to dip just a little bit right before delivery. And then at delivery, they both go through the, the cellar. I mean, they just go away. They're just like, I'm done. And that's why ADHD or not, women who have delivered babies will often like, oh, I have a new baby, but they'll be crying. They call it the baby blues. And yeah. that's... a Vivid, vivid, oh. vivid, vivid illustration of how estrogen affects our mood. It, it, As I say, it has so much impact on our brain, and our brain, of course, impacts our mood. And then... Right after you deliver, then estrogen and progesterone will start rebuilding, but it's gradual, because let's face it, your body's been through a lot of stuff, right? I mean, it's been through the wars at at some level, and especially when your, your, your hormones are kind of going, what the heck is happening here? I'm doing my job, but I'm not doing it anymore. However, if you're nursing... What happens is that estrogen and progesterone don't rebuild the way they w- they would if you didn't nurse because if you're breastfeeding, prolactin jumps into the picture and that stimulates milk production, which is a good thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. what's interesting is that 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 oxytocin actually stimulates the letdown of of milk, yeah. which means that you feel really good when you're nursing and it feels really great, except your ADHD may be out of control why? because the prolactin inhibits ovulation so you don't have this little fan dance going on anymore it's just kind of grovelling down along the bottom now you may feel a little bit better because you've got oxytocin going on you so forth and so on and you're finally you might actually have some sleep eventually after the kiddos what what year old but imagine this if you've had a baby especially a first baby you are exhausted from the delivery. You you have a brand new baby who is likely not sleeping more than two or three hours at a time. So you're sleep deprived, which also aggravates ADHD symptoms and can cause ADHD symptoms even in people who don't have a diagnosis. You have no estrogen on board. You may be nursing. You're, you're falling asleep while your kiddo is nursing. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't smother this kid. And you also have no reserve So please, if you have been there, or if you're there right now, please be really, really gentle with yourself. And I know a lot of women, let's talk just a minute about taking stimulant medication. During pregnancy, most women prefer to not take their stimulant medication. But study after study has shown that it is not detrimental. And they're talking about not detrimental to take it, but there's the the jury's still out on whether because all that passes through the placenta to the baby and as well as through the mother's milk if you're nursing. So the the, the jury's still kind of out on what kind of effect that may have on your baby. So talk to your doctor about this. And for heaven's sakes, don't trust me. I am not a physician. I'm married to one, but he doesn't have anything to do with (laughs) OBGYN or ADHD, but, and I don't even play one on TV. However, just make sure that you check with your doctor about these things. And I think, unfortunately, what you're going to find is that many doctors are unaware of the things that I've been talking about today. Yes. They don't know that estrogen, they will know that estrogen affects nursing and your mood and so forth and so, but they won't know that estrogen affects your ADHD. So I was lucky enough when I went to see a psychiatrist, a woman Actually, I went to see something about menopause. I went to see her about menopause. Turns out she was, our, she was trained as a psychiatrist and as an OBGYN because of some health issues that she had. And even she knew nothing about ADHD and uh, the effect of estrogen. So we'll talk about hormone therapy in a little bit because I don't want to go there yet. But that was a long soliloquy about the fact that progesterone is important. But progesterone is not the key to keeping your ADHD at bay. And a matter of fact, it may even make it a little worse.
0: Oh, Linda, I want to give both of us a hug and all the women out there <laughs> listening to this. Because honestly, like I'm, I'm getting emotional on this. It, it, it goes back to, as we were talking about it in our younger years, in our 20s, in our teens, mm-hmm. the struggles that I experienced. Like I, I wish I had a Linda that had taught me these things. So that I knew what I was going through, you know, because like my mom was really awesome. She was like, oh, your your, your stomach hurts, your back hurts. No problem. Take it easy, right? Because I had a lot of physical pain. Um. But then the mood stuff is you're sitting there going, I think I must be nuts. I remember, and I will quote him, my ex once said, you're only normal once a week in the whole month. One week <sighs> out of the month, you're normal. And at the time, I was so offended. I'm like, how dare you? But he he, it was like, it was kind of like he was kind of right. Unfortunately, I want to say that because, yeah, there was like a week and a half. I'll give myself maybe two weeks where I was like, Kathy, I was like, life is good. But knowing the science behind this, my God. And part of the reason I went to trauma therapy and I'm connecting all of these dots to, to my real story here is because of my childbirth, because of what happened to me on the day five when she was born. I sat there crying my eyes out thinking I'm never going to see her grow up for no random reason. I had this thought. So for, for 24 hours, I was bawling and looking at my daughter going, I'm never going to see her grow up. Like, where did this thought come from? Nowhere. Out of nowhere. Everybody's like, you're ridiculous, but nobody goes, Oh, your hormones are out of whack. It's okay. Just, 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 just be with it. It'll pass. It'll pass. Six years later, I'm still here. She's here. Like we're good. Right. Right. <laughs> But it's knowing those things, right? And in that moment, I mean, my ADHD diagnosis came after a year and a half of having her with me going to the doctor every time going, why am I depressed? Why am I stressed out? Why do I forget things like it was messed up? Again, Mm -hmm. had I had a Linda that had taught me these things about my hormones I would have been much gentler with myself back then, but here we are. And and for those of you that are listening, I we both wholeheartedly. I think I speak on behalf of Linda on this one too. We get your pain. It is quite painful. We it feels so lonely going through it. And every month you have this damn cycle that keeps happening over and over, and you're like, when is it gonna stop? When is enough is enough with this? Right. Oh, that was like I needed to get that off my chest.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad you did because that means so much to hear someone's personal experience with this. And I I, I wanna go back to my when when my when my second son was born, I was I you know they, the the nurse comes in, she goes, oh, you have the baby blues because I was crying. Well, my second son was also born. He, they put him in the neonatal intensive care, yeah. and he was he turned out that he was legally blind and all these other things that were going. Those things we didn't know at the time, but it was you know it was it was a lot of stuff going on, not just the and the estrogen lack of estrogen didn't help. But I also know that when I was going through my monthly cycle, even though I couldn't keep track of it because I couldn't tell, you know, how many days it was going to be, it could be 36 days, it could be, you know, 31 days or 40. I mean, it was never short, but it was always longer, which is one reason they couldn't tell when I was going to deliver. They couldn't even predict it, which was okay. I did not have a problem. I don't care about that. But what I also began to pay attention to was how right before my period started, I thought everything was going just as you said everything was falling apart that things would never be what good again in my entire life and I might as well just give up. I I just wanted to just, I didn't cry. I was just so incredibly depressed. And for, you know, I've been on antidepressants since I was in my Mm thirties. So this was even happening in my thirties and on antidepressants. So I would like to have had somebody like me saying the same thing. But what I also began to realize is that right before my periods, I would get a migraine. And what I now know, even though they sent me through all the testing, is that hormonally induced migraines are very, very common among ADHD women. Yes. Migraines are endemic, as a matter of fact. So. Pay attention to that migraine. And I didn't have the R and all that kind of stuff, but hormonally related are a little bit different, at least they were for me. And the other thing that I want to throw in here is that if you do have a daughter who is younger, maybe, you know, preteen or teen, and you suspect maybe ADHD. Just wait a year or so, because when that hormone action starts happening with her, that's when many, 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 many girls are diagnosed. They're often missed early on, partly because of inattention is not as readily diagnosed because they're kind of, you know, you don't notice that they're not paying attention in class until you get their report cards and then go, we need to help. We need, we need to work on this some more. But ADHD doesn't really come in the picture. You're just being the L word, lazy, right? No, that's not it. But girls tend to do better than boys academically until about the third grade. And in the third grade, boys catch up. ADHD boys, no, but non-ADHD boys do. But girls are not, ADHD girls, especially in attempt girls, are not troublemakers. Right. They're sitting quietly in their seat, doodling, playing with their fingers or doodling on their pet. They're not paying any attention, but they're, you know, they're not causing trouble. Like somebody like a a boy might be loud and noisy and causing disruption in class if he's. Well, if they are hyperactive, for heaven's sake, if boys are hyperactive, but inattentive boys tend to get overlooked as well. But but girls, girls who are combined type, like I am, tend to be both moody and, you know, kind of almost introverted sometimes, but then chatty Cathy and all this kind of stuff going on after Mm -hmm. that. So Mm -hmm. that's how their hyperactivity comes out. But I, I should have been diagnosed in my teens. And unlike a lot of people, I don't feel like, oh, if only that I would have been diagnosed. I could have been because I was determined I was going to be the mayor of a small town by the time I was 40. I was going to be on Oprah by the time I was 45. I mean, you know, none of those things happened. And maybe maybe if I'd been diagnosed earlier, it might have changed my life. But frankly, like a lot of women with ADHD, I've gotten by through my wits and my intelligence. So I've actually been successful in the eyes of the world, but not in my eyes. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yes. like I knew could have done more. I was still not living at my full potential because I know what my potential could be, but nobody else could see that. So it looks on the outside shiny bright, but on the inside, I'm still feeling like a failure, right, in a lot of areas. Now, I'm better with that now because I'm older. And I think the older you get, the more forgiving and the more accepting and more compassionate that you can be with yourself. But if you're still out there hitting the glass ceiling, it's hard to be kind to yourself it is very hard to say, okay, it's my ADHD and I'm just going to to take care of it and not be mad about the ADHD, right?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Linda, I mean, we could talk about this for for ever and ever. Let's let's bring it down a bit to treatment. Can we do that? Can we go into what are some of the things that we could do to manage this vicious cycle that we have to live with? Like it is what it is.
1: Well and I certainly I, I kind of blew the surprise at the surprise ending because I talked about this a little earlier but certainly if you are on a stimulant medication and it doesn't work as well when you are coming into that fan dance of your period then perhaps talking to your psychiatrist about this and saying this is not working and you can show him some articles that say you know estrogen impacts ADHD then he might be able to bump up either at a different stimulant and perhaps a non-stimulant. Who knows? Because things work together. And many women, women many women with ADHD, unlike us, have anxiety, not depression. So mm-hmm. a lot of times in tuna, which is a guanfacine product, that actually can help with anxiety. So even that might be added in or. Let me also mention that when I got to be, remember, first of all, paramenopause is the period before menopause. And you certainly are in, you're instantly menopausal if you have a hysterectomy and they remove your ovaries. Your your estrogen just plummets. It's just like going into menopause and that can happen at any age, but even for women who don't have a hysterectomy, they may actually begin perimenopause in their 30s. Normally, it's about a 10-year process. So normally, you know, 40 or 45. And then I was diagnosed when I was 46. I think I was 46, 47. And that's when I ran to the doctor and said, oh, I need ADHD medication. And he said, no, you need estrogen. Go get some. So if you are in that perimenopausal phase, then an estrogen supplement may help you. And what my doctor put me on was a very low dose birth control pills that I took continuously. I didn't go off of it to allow myself to have a period. Mm-hmm. So remember too that birth control pills or any kind of estrogen is well not any kind not compounded estrogen but any kind of birth control pills that you take are stopping ovulation and they are creating their own form of ovulation by saying okay here's some estrogen we're taking it away now here's some progesterone so just so you know they're actually stopping ovulation completely. I was on low dose ber- low dose birth control for- pills for several years, and finally, when I hit fifty, I said, "Well, am I in menopause or not?" And she said, "Oh, well, just stop taking the birth control pills and see what happens." I stopped taking those birth control pills. Like you, I was in bed. I could barely move. It was like my whole world collapsed. Mm-hmm. I had not changed, had not changed any of my other medication. I was still taking my antidepressants. I, but I, my energy was gone i was i was but my migraines by the way improved when i was taking the yeah. the um, low dose birth control pills because i wasn't having that up and down we, we were controlling the amount of estrogen and the amount of progesterone right so that really helped that was tremendous but i went off and i'm like i this was in january by may i was like a mess i'm like i can't get out of bed she goes oh well i thought you were going to go back on them you didn't tell me to go back on them <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. So what ended up happening was I this was about the time there's so much controversy about estrogen replacement. It's not replacement; it's estrogen therapy, HT, mm-hmm. they call it in the United States. And so there's so much controversy because there were studies that were done that were stopped because they found that AD, that women who were taking estrogen and progesterone supplements together, they were conjugated estrogen and progesterone from horses' mares' urine. As a matter of fact, they were then they were pills; they were combo pills. And what they found is that the women were having more heart attacks. So for the cardiac events alone, they stopped the study because they didn't want to risk any lives, of course. But the difference is here that in both the nurses study and the women's health initiative, which is the one that was stopped, the women that were being studied were already postmenopausal. So if you start someone who's in 55 to 60 who's already been you know postmenopausal for perhaps even 10 years and then you start them back on estrogen again that was that can cause some cardiac issues. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's also an issue with, if, if you've had any form of estrogen mediated breast cancer, obviously this is not gonna be an option for you. But when I said, no, 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 I don't wanna go on hormone therapy, no, no, no. And my, my that's like that combo psychiatrist, OBGYN, said to me, this is, a, this is a life issue here, a life quality of life issue. And she said, if you go on hormone therapy, it will be less estrogen than you were getting in the low dose birth control pills. And I said, oh, really? So accidentally I read, I didn't, I didn't want to do menopause. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I, I, and everything else I'm like ADHD. I'm digging into it, baby. I want to know everything. (laughs) Menopause. It was like, hold me at bay. I don't even want to talk about it. And, I, so, I started reading some books reluctantly. And I don't know how I happened into this, but what I realized is that when you take pills, at least the estrogen and combo pill, it metabolizes through your liver. And that can, in itself, can cause some problems. So I thought, well, I don't want anything to metabolize through my liver. So there are little patches that are estrogen patches. They also have combination patches that I wear, like at about my bikini line, mm-hmm. and I change them twice. I, ch- I put a different one on every four days, every three or four days. And I have been on them since I was fifty-one. And I won't tell you how old I am now, but it's You're a still long ah uh, yeah, right. I'm still on them, and oh, wow. so I'm. I'm the experimental. People say, oh, you should, you should use it for two or three years and then you should be done. But when I, I, I was still even having breakthrough hot flashes. So I said, I'm not going to do this. And there are women in their 90s that are still doing, using the patch or whatever they're using. When I decided to do that, I my brain came back within two days. All of a sudden, I went from not even knowing what my address was and couldn't tell anybody what my, you know, my, ad- my dogs didn't mind if I didn't remember their names. My husband minded a little bit more. I mean, I, I could not work. I didn't dare set up any new client meetings because i was afraid i wouldn't be i wouldn't be able to talk to them you know i wouldn't make sense when i was talking to them and i kept forgetting things because it affects memory all kinds of things that also are endemic among adhd women so a lot of women are diagnosed at menopause with adhd because we've been we've been able to get through all the white picket fence and the progression through our careers and you know being promoted we've been able to do a lot of those things At great cost to us, I must say, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at great cost, at the worrying in the middle of the night and being exhausted and doing working every single weekend to catch up with everybody else on the team. It has a cost to us, but many of us are able to do it. As I said, I've survived by my intelligence. I was always the person that was out thinking everybody else in the room. When I hit menopause, that stopped. I couldn't outthink my, a, a paper bag. I mean, I, I was like, no, yeah, no, I no, no. So many women with ADHD are diagnosed at menopause. And that's not surprising. Let's face it. Every single person who goes through menopause, whether it's an artificial instant kind of thing with a hysterectomy or whether it's more natural as you get older, ends up having some confusion issues some memory issues all those kind of things because estrogen helps everybody every woman's brain but especially for adhd women where we already have a deficit of dopamine and estrogen is helping that dopamine it's especially important that we do something and somebody said so i said well why don't we just take some dopamine pills well Mm the problem with taking dopamine pills is that number one, they don't work because dopamine is a neurotransmitter. It has to cross the, let me say, let me say this slowly, blood brain barrier, the BBB. And if you take pills, it won't cross the, the, the barrier. So you can't do that. So you need to stimulate dopamine a different way. So some women, that's the first opportunity to take a stimulant medication like a Vyvanse, which is an amphetamine or a Ritalin, which is a methylphenidate. And there are all kinds of different variations of that, but those are really the only two stimulants that you have the option of. For me, my my psychiatrist, and I won't go into this a lot because it's a little controversial, but she won't prescribe amphetamines anymore. There is research out there that shows that amphetamines can actually impact Parkinson's disease and perhaps you know bring it on a little more quickly. And then there are other research that says maybe ADHD brains are already predisposed to Parkinson's because both are dopamine mediated disease uh, conditions, mm. but that, that I will leave alone. But for me, the estrogen patch worked well for me for about 10 years. And then my psych- my OBGYN says, hmm, I think we need to do a, a little biopsy. Because remember, unopposed estrogen is difficult for women with a uterus because there's always the possibility of a cancer growing there. Mm -hmm. So she did a a biopsy and there wasn't even enough tissue to even, you know, so there was nothing going on. And she said, I really think that you need to be on a progesterone in addition. So I'm on a natural progesterone and I'm still on the patch. And this is not, um, this is not a recommendation. This is not a prescription for anyone else. As I mentioned early on in this conversation, we are all completely individualized. So your your proprietary combination of things that work for you will be different from mine. And, and I may be the walking, talking experiment. You know, if I find out 10 years from now that I did the wrong thing, it'll be too late. But I will tell you that my quality of life in the last, yeah, I'm going to say it, 20 years has been vastly improved using still my antidepressants and using using unopposed estrogen so that I feel better. And now of course now it's un, not unopposed. It's I am taking progesterone with it. So there are lots of things that you can do. And yes, you can try the wild yams and you can try all that stuff and it may work for you. I tried it. I tried soy isoflavones. I tried you name it. I tried everything to make it work, and it just didn't. When I'm having 60 hot flashes a day, that's a really miserable life. Mm. Not to mention the ones at night, of course, the, oh. the and all that kind of good the, stuff. You so. know,
0: it's I love how you know the the age difference between us because it also we can give different perspectives. In this yeah. case, there's there's Linda's experience. In mine, what it came up with is I I have confirmed with myself that I no longer can take ADHD medications because they just don't work for me. For for whatever reasons, I've tried everything. I've given my all with my psychiatrist. ADHD meds just didn't do the thing. But what did was the antidepressants. So here's the thing is with PMDD and, and Linda talked about it earlier in the conversation so what i take and it blew my mind because in my 30s i was like diagnosed with mild depression and the antidepressant they gave me at the time was oh my god i don't even want to go there it wasn't it worked and it didn't and it was miserable because just the side effects were bad so i was very hesitant to take on another antidepressant but okay. she said look this particular one this brand or the this flavor and and we're naming names of medication please 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 Don't be going and asking your doctor for that particular, just make sure you do have the conversation. So for me, it's Trintilex. It helps with cognition. It helps with my 10 days of hell, And oh my goodness, she was like, you'll know within days. And I'm like, well, what don't I have to have a ramp up with antidepressants? Like you need to be on it for a month or two in order for it to kick in. Nope, it kicked in right away. So now and get this, I only take five milligrams. It's it's almost a joke. My doctor says, this is like placebo. You, you, it should not work for you at five milligrams. That's how sensitive my body is to medication. That's all I need. Five milligrams for the 10 days of hell. And it's like night and day, night and day. Linda, we talked about the medication side of it from a coach's view, from a, from you've been at this for so long, from a mindset view I think that we should talk about that a little bit of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. One thing I've embraced for myself is to give myself so much grace, especially three days before. And I know that three days, especially 24 hours before I want to sleep like it. there's no, like, like nothing. I literally will block off my whole day. I literally will make sure there's childcare available because mm-hmm. I'm going to be in that bedroom and I'm not going to come out. And it's mm-hmm. weird. My family's like, what is going on? I'm like, this is me having me time. This is my me time. This is embracing who I am. I, my, my business partner and I we, we, we do the, the group coaching we also look at our periods at the same time. Okay, what's happening here? Do we do a talk over here? Do we do, like, seriously, I'm I and I know it's like, really, we have to live our life around this shit that it is? Yes, and it helps to at least know the week of, like, the hell week I had last week. Did I get much done? No. Am I okay with it? Absolutely. Where before, I would, the self-beating, the constant self-beating. So on the emotional side, on the mindset stuff, what would you like to tell our listeners? What would you like to share your wisdom on that part?
1: Well, I think you've I think you've done a beautiful job of telling people what how, how this affects your your mindset and your well-being. I think you did a beautiful job of, of articulating that. What came up for me when you were talking was I have a, a group coaching program called the Coaching Spa, because I don't want it to be a boot camp because I want it to be softer and more friendly. And one of the women there, I have it. I have a range. There's one woman who's 80 years old, and there's one woman who's in their 40s. So there's a range of ages. And one of them is an engineer who has ha, experienced some difficult times this year, and has been trying to catch up because she fell behind. And she said, you know, I was doing fine. I was doing fine. I was doing fine. I was using, you know, whatever Focusmate or whatever accountability program she was using. And she said, but I don't know in the last couple of days I'm I'm just I can't get going again and I'm just and she was beating herself up like crazy. She was like what is wrong with me now? I mean all that negative self-talk. And I don't know what flashed for me but I said, uh, where are you in your cycle?" And she mm. got the funniest look on her face and she was like Oh, my God, (laughs) that's it. And so even just being aware of it allows you to be kinder. I love the fact that you said you give yourself grace and also planning ahead for this. Like, for instance, if you're let's just say you're still in college or you have a big presentation coming up at work or something like that. And you have a, a an app like Flow or something similar so that you can predict when your periods are going to start. And you really know, I see the pattern now. When it's written down, you can go, oh, oh there it is. because. As a lot of those a lot of those apps will track your mood as well as what's going on otherwise. And if you can predict it and you know this is going to be a really tough presentation because it can't be changed, you can take care of yourself ahead of time by making sure that you get a tremendous amount of sleep. And even though we tend to leave things for the last minute, how many times have I shown up sliding under the under the deadline to try and get in the door and get the presentation to my I used to run an advertising agency and I'd get the presentation done, I'd win the I'd win the contract and I shouldn't have won the contract because I was doing it so much at the last minute. When you are in one of those dips of your monthly cycle, you can't do that. You can't depend on yourself to do that unless you are the, the toll on you will be horrible.
0: Yes. So, yeah. I, a,
1: a lot of times when we, I, for me, it was adrenaline, right? I build myself all up because that's how I get my dopamine going, right? I build myself all up and I get through the presentation and I just, <sighs> I would collapse. And that's what that great. does is the cortisol that courses to your body is incredibly damaging to almost every part of your body, including your brain. Mm. So being able, we, we end up a lot of ADHD folks, women in particular, in this case, end up with adrenal fatigue. So know that sometimes you need to have somebody, a doctor, talk to you about the the adrenals as mm-hmm. well. And, mm-hmm. and don't forget... Thyroids are also a hormone, and many, many ADHD women have issues with thyroid. So that also plays into this, even though thyroid is not affected by the up and down, the the fan dance, if you will. And I just want to mention: I know that we, we, I, if the men are still here, I just want to mention to you that testosterone does decline as you get older, as well. So, but the, but what you don't have that affects your ADHD is that you don't have the up and down kind of thing. You don't have the roller coaster effect that women do. So I, I urge you to be kind to the ADHD women in your life. Yeah. And also know that your your testosterone declines gradually. And, and sometimes not, you know, you have, you have men, fa- you know, fathering children in their 70s, 80s, you know, so it's still hanging around. But testosterone is an, is another one of those things where men can get very irritable and men will will lose focus. So don't think that, that you're off the hook just because you have testosterone going on. And the last piece I want to mention is we didn't touch on it yet, but women who have high testosterone levels often have an issue with polycystic ovary syndrome, mm. PCOS. And that tends to be much more prevalent in women with ADHD. And that actually can start in the in the in the uterus. So, if the mother has a high testosterone level, the child may also have a testosterone level and be maybe more prone to have ADHD diagnosed. So, believe me when I say that hormones are really, 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 really important to ADHD. And we're still pulling it apart, sorting it out. There's not a lot of research that specifically talks deals with ADHD. But I can tell you that periods are more difficult for ADHD women because hormones. PMDD is more more prevalent. Migraines are more prevalent, and we simply have more trouble, you know, with with dealing with the ups and downs. So please, again, kind of coming back to what you were talking about, let's all take a break here and be a little gentle with ourselves. Give ourselves a little hug and perhaps a pat on the back.
0: because we all
1: need it. We all need it
0: thank you so much linda like this is such a tremendous gift that this episode needs to live in my podcast forever and ever and ever and ever and be (laughs) redistributed and shared please please if you know any women in your life that that if you're the man and listening to this share it if you're a woman share it with your girlfriends because sometimes as women we don't talk about things you know We just keep it to ourselves because we may be ashamed or lonely or think we're the only ones going through it. And honestly, ever since I got into this coaching business and some of this stuff that I see, I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much commonality on on this whole PMS, PMDD stuff. And sometimes I even have clients that I'm like, you know what? get the hormones fixed up when, when you're done that, then come back. We'll do coaching. Cause sometimes <laughs> it's it's that stuff. It's not about like, I could coach you till, you know, I'm blue in the face and you're going to work so hard at it. But then those 10 hell days when everything falls apart, it's not you, it's your hormones. So please mm-hmm. seek the help, get the help. I'm the walking key use case for this. So is Linda. When, when we get the right treatment, it, it does wonders for us, so Linda, before we leave, any other amazing wisdom that you want to share, like, oh my God. <laughs> so well, I would like to t- I would like to tell people that I do have
1: a I do have a booklet that talks about these hormones that kind of keeps everything in one place. I'm revising it, but you can you can find me at addiva.net. That's A-D-D-I-V-A dot net. And you can also join me at the women's, the parents, or the couples Palooza and you can find more information about that because it's all about ADA. ADHD and women, all, the, all about ADHD and parenting your ADHD kiddos. And in December, it's in uh, we always have the uh, the new ADHD couples retreat, a uh, couples palooza as well. So consider consider finding more resources because I I like Kathy invite experts on to talk about things. So there's accurate information everywhere, and I'm just so grateful for you for doing this for your audience and for Thank everyone
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Linda. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed this episode. So much information. Please listen to it again and again and again because there's so much good stuff in here. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.